Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. And welcome back to the program again today, and thank you for taking time to join us. Please don't turn the channel. Stay with us a little bit. I believe you'll be blessed by the Word of God that's coming today. I feel like the Lord's put some things on my heart for you, and I think you're going to be blessed. Uh, grab yourself another cup of coffee or something, sit back down, and stay with us a little bit. I believe you'll be blessed. We have been talking about, over the last four weeks, we've been teaching from the book of Daniel, and uh, chapter 1, and we've been talking about uh, Daniel and the three Hebrew children being in captivity and Babylonian uh, captivity, and how that we talked about how that four men in the middle of a very bad, if you will, uh, political climate and in, 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 in the midst of a crisis season and time in Israel, that God raised up four men who refused to feed on the king's diet and ended up running the country. Now, that ought to give somebody some hope today. Now, before I get into today's message, let me just say, if you missed any of those, we've aired four programs already on it. You can go back to our YouTube channel, and you can watch them at your leisure. And all you have to do, the, best, the easiest way to do it is simply go to my website, and there's a link probably on the screen and right there that you can go to, and there's a link directly from the opening page of my website. If you tap on it, it will start to play right there, and there's an entire playlist so that everything we have aired to date has been uh, archived there for your viewing pleasure. Anytime you want to view it on your smartphone, your tablet, your uh, device, you can also view it on Roku, you can view it on a smart TV. There's so many ways to watch it. Even if you don't get this, this channel on cable or satellite, you're watching this in a hotel room somewhere, you can get this if you want to watch it. You can go to YouTube and then subscribe to our page and we will notify you every time we upload a new program. Secondly, you can listen to us on iTunes. Uh, we, everything we have aired, again, is on our iTunes page. You can go there and listen to our podcast, redeem the time while you're in your car headed to commute to work or whatever, and I believe you will be blessed. There's so many ways to get the Word these days that uh, I'm encouraged by the outlets that we have with this. Let me get in the Word, though, before uh, we run out of time here already. But uh, in the book of Daniel, we begin to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We talked about Daniel. We talked about these men in the midst of Babylonian confusion. And the key thought, again, that I want to tap into this week is these men knew something about identity. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were trained and equipped, and they ended up changing the culture. But I believe that, it, that the thing that's really important to note here is it's what they were feeding on. Sometimes I don't know if we realize just how important it is what we're feeding on spiritually, where we are feeding. If we just eat all kinds of spiritual junk food, it's going to cause all kinds of problems. I, I sometimes think that we've got a lot of spiritual junk food out there. And you know what? It's like junk food with your kids. They, they love it and they love the taste of it. And, you know, they'll, they'll bounce off the walls. In other words, you feed them sugar and, and uh, candy and cake and potato chips and soda, and they'll bounce off the walls with the sugar high for a little while, but the crash is as bad as the high was. But the thing of it is, it might fill their bellies, but it's not nutritionally bringing them to grow and function. It's not giving them the supply of necessity that they need. 
And I'm, I, I, I'm concerned that sometimes what we're feeding people spiritually may be causing, I call it, hardening of the arteries. Because you know what? If you ate nothing but Twinkies and potato chips, after a while you're going to have you're going to have hardening of the arteries, and you're going to, it's ultimately going to uh, affect you physically. But think of it with the same terms as spiritual food. If you're feeding on nothing but spiritual junk food, it's going to cause your hearts to become hardened. And I think that's what's happened with people is this, and it's almost like we are in a competition to see who can entertain people the best, and there's certainly nothing wrong with being excellent. But when we don't feed people on a kingdom diet that matures and builds them up and changes their lives. All we're doing is giving them a sugar high. And sometimes it's about time we become real fathers in the gospel. You know, I think about uh, my son uh, who is really, you know, he uh, studies a whole lot of stuff about nutrition and stuff like that. And uh, he just, you know, he, he allows his little girl to have some sweets and stuff in balance, but he just don't allow her to fill up on that kind of stuff. He makes sure she's got some, you know, some good nutritional food. And there's certainly nothing wrong with the sweets and the desserts and the wonderful things that God has for us. But if we don't have nutritional stuff, and you know what sometimes she'll do? She'll just frown and just think, boy, I don't know if I want that. And I just don't want to eat eat this. I want, to, you know, I want to get to the, you know, to the dessert stuff. And I, I get it because, I mean, you know, we're all probably like that. But if somebody don't feed them something wholesome and nutritional, uh, nutritional and become a real parent to them, it's going to cause problems in the future. And I believe that's where we've been at in the American churches. We've had, we've had a diet that's just been a lot of junk food. And uh, man, I, I think, you know, uh, is it maturing people? We might be collecting people, but are we really discipling people? Are we discipling the nations? And that's what we're called to do. But one of the things that they did was they refrained from their Babylonian diet and they refused to let their identity be stolen. We must see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the Babylonian names and they ultimately answer to their Babylonian name. But when you ask Daniel, mostly Daniel's name is all through the scripture. I just refuse to answer to my Babylonian name. You're not going to call me a loser. You're not going to call me a sinner. You're not going to call me, uh, you know, a, a dog returning to his vomit. I'm the righteousness of God. I am who God says I am. I'm a new creature. That's what I'm answering to. That's what I respond to. And the rest of it I refuse to respond to. I'm going to give you another example, though, in the Word, if I can. I want to go into uh, the book of Judges, chapter 6, if we, can, if we can do that. Judges, the 6th chapter. We read to you there just a moment ago from the book of Daniel. But I want to talk about Gideon here for a little bit uh, today. Uh, but chapter 1 of, just uh, as Judges, chapter 6, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 1, book of Judges. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents and they came as grasshoppers for multitude for, they, for both they and their camels were without number and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. 
And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of them that oppressed you and drove them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God, fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord that sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, Ophrah that pertained to Joash, an Aborazite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat and by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might, now shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, Wherefore will I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Now before I get down into some more of this story, the issue again, and I, every one of these stories I'm talking about is in the midst of some kind of difficulty. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel are in the midst of Babylonian captivity. Now we have Gideon in the midst of oppression where the, uh, uh, I forget their names now, uh, but there was an army that encamped, uh, the Midianites, that's what it was. Uh, the Midianites had encamped against Israel and they are hiding in rocks and caves and dens. We've come to the book of Judges and once again the children of Israel have committed whoredoms with other gods. <laughs> Almost everything they get involved in is because they just can't seem to put God in the centerpiece of their lives and keep him as the focus. But God comes up to a man in the middle of this kind of a situation, and God finds a man by the name of Gideon. And he says to him, Ho, mighty man of valor. In other words, he begins to speak identity back into a man who is simply threshing wheat and hiding it under the wine press. You see, one of the main things about this story is all through the book of, of, ju of Judges, every one of these, I think there's 12 of these Judges, but every one of them, God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things. That ought to speak to you today watching me. God wants to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things through them if they'll simply believe what God says about them is the truth. God wants to use you to do extraordinary things in your family. Your circumstances will turn when you begin to rise up and believe what God said about you. He meets this man who seems to be a coward. He is threshing wheat, hiding under the wine press. Now, once again, I want to point this out because this is going to become a common denominator in everything I share with you. He's threshing wheat and hiding it under the wine press. So you have bread and wine, wheat and wine. In the book of Daniel, we're dealing with what do they feed on? What's the diet? The common denominator here again is what are you feeding on? When I think about wheat and wine, I'm thinking about bread and wine. And man, you know, that's kingdom stuff because Jesus takes the bread. He blesses the bread. He breaks the bread and he gives it to his 
disciples to take the, this is my body that was broken for you. And then he takes the cup and said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. Can I tell you what is lacking in people who feel like they're cowards is good understanding of new covenant realities that Jesus' body was broken for you so you don't have to be in bondage. That his life was poured out for you so you could be qualified to partake of his life and of the blood of a new covenant and not of an old covenant paradigm. Uh, we just wrote a new book called From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. You'd be blessed to get this book because it's powerful helping you make that shift. But it's what you feed on. And so he's threshing wheat and winding it under the wine press. Because when you start feeding people bread and wine, see, that's the stuff that Melchizedek uh, served to Abraham. Uh, after he came back from the slaughter of the kings of Chedorlaomer, was bread and wine, and 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 uh, you know the, the the reality of it is is that that sustenance and that substance ultimately made a believer out of Gideon, because he, I mean, like I said, he was threshing wheat to hide another run and I could see him turn around and say, "Who, who are you talking to?" I'm, you know, I mean, mighty man of valor. I'm hiding wheat. You know, I'm just trying to eke out a living here, man. I'm just trying to stay out of the spotlight. I'm just trying to not make waves. And I think that's kind of been sometimes the whole demeanor of a lot of people in Christianity is that we just don't want to make waves. We don't stir up with any feathers. We don't offend nobody. And I, and I get that. And I, I'm, I'm for, you know, being, you know, courteous and kind and yada, yada, yada. But the reality of it is somewhere somebody's got to stand up for something to say, I'm just tired of the bondage. I'm just tired of the, the situation that my life is in. And then you begin to hear from God that says, you're a mighty man of valor. And when Gideon hears that word, I mean, at first, I don't know that he believes it, but by the time God is done with him, he not only believes it, but he begins to act on it. Because look what happens. Uh, let, let's see, uh, it's on down in here that he, he was hiding wheat from the wine press. And the Lord says to him, you're a mighty man of valor. And, uh, and did Gideon asked the Lord, he said, if God is with us, then where be all his miracles? You know, that's a question that so many times comes up in, in settings where we're having questions of, and answers is, if God is really with us, then where are all his miracles? Why aren't we seeing uh, the miraculous hand of God. Well, I think what's locked up in that is simply this. It's locked up in people who don't know they're mighty. I, I think it's locked up in people who do not know that they're, they're, they could be mightily used of God, ordinary people. See, I'm talking about in this segment, the power of small and the power of, uh, of identity. But I might, if I have enough time in my next segment, I might talk about the power of corporate anointing because that's a very powerful thing. Because I think sometimes that the key and the answers to a great move of God is when we stop looking to glow-in-the-dark preachers to bring a revival, but we start looking in the body of Christ and realizing that God has placed some people that you may not think are powerful, but they're mighty men of valor who just don't know they're mighty yet. And God begins to send somebody to speak to them, you're a mighty man of valor. Now, it, it, you know, at first that may be shocking to hear God say some things positive. But, you know, when you keep on reiterating and reaffirming the identity that you are in Christ, people become, after a while, what I call believer. In other words, you keep on preaching to them something that produces faith, and they will act on it. 
they'll start saying, you know, my, my one little granddaughter's three and a half, man, and her daddy tells her all the time, there's power of God is in your hands. And man, she came out the other day and she told her dad, she said, Dad, I just want you to know the power of God is in them hands. And she was wanting to lay them on something to see it healed. See, I think we need to start teaching our children from the time they're young that the power of God is in your hands, that these are holy hands, that you can lift one hand without wrath because God is not mad with you. You can lift the other hand without doubt because God is with you. That's what he's saying here. Because the miracles that Gideon was looking for was not in heaven somewhere distant. It was locked up in a man who didn't know he was mighty. But the angel of the Lord appears to him and begins to speak to him, and then he's feeding, if you will, on the right diet of bread and wine, wheat, and, and the enemy's trying to steal that from him. See, I believe that the, one of the tricks of the adversary in our day is it's trying to steal from our diet the true steady staple of the Word of God, which is the bread and wine. You say, well, what is that? It's preaching the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the finished work. That's what it is. Jesus said, you know, except a corn of wheat fall on the earth to die, it abides alone. So we, we, we need to see this, the bread that comes from the wheat. When Jesus took that bread again, and he took the blood, and he took the wine, and he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. And eat this as often as you come together and drink this cup. In other words, and I know we need to take communion, and I, I really believe in all of that. But if we don't, listen, we could, if we don't take the, ele if we take the elements of communion without a revelation of what his death, his burial, and his resurrection produced, I'm not sure we're getting the nutrition from it. But when we begin to feed on, on, uh, on that bread and wine, man, it starts to make us respond this is my body. You know, I think about even when he was on the road to Emmaus and the disciples came to him and he appears to them after his resurrection. They don't recognize him. And beginning with Moses and the law and the prophets, he begins to tell them all things concerning himself. He walks with them and still their eyes aren't open. And they still don't know who he is. And so when they come to the place where they're staying, Jesus acts as if he is going to go beyond them. But they constrained him to come in and to eat bread. And when Jesus came in to eat bread, when he took the bread... He blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave it to his disciples. The Bible said they knew him in the breaking of the bread. There was something about how Jesus serves bread and wine that made them have a revelation that came alive of what had happened those three days. Because he said to them, uh, they said to Jesus, do you not know what happened here these three days and three nights? Jesus was probably the only man on the planet that really had a full grip of what happened those three days and three nights. And I think sometimes we will be studying that issue throughout eternity. What happened in those three days and three nights of the person and work of Jesus Christ. But when he began to break the bread, they began to know him in the breaking of the bread. And as you go on down through this story, it says, And the Lord said to him, uh, verse 15, O my Lord, where shall, shall I save Israel? See, this is his response. Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least of my father's house. Man, it starts into the excuse game. I mean, you know, we got all kinds of reasons why we can't do what God's, I, I'm, you know, you don't know my family, you don't know my history, you don't know my background, yada, 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 I was this, I was that. And you know what? God, God looks beyond all of that. And he says, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. God says, listen, man, I, I don't really care about your history. I don't care if you come from a poor family. I don't care if you come from, uh, you know, abuse. I, don't, I mean, he cares. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what, he, what he's saying is this supersedes your history. 
This supersedes where you came from. Your father's house, your background, your history, your failures do not determine your future. What determines your future is will you hear what the Lord is saying when he says to him, listen, I'm about to save Israel and I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to do it through a people. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with thee. That's the key. God is with us. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes and an ephah of flour of the flesh. He put in a basket and he put broth in a pot and brought it out under, put it under oak tree and presented the angel of God, said unto him, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth, his, put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the un, unleavened cakes. And there arose up out of the fire, out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight and Gideon perceived that he was in fact an angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom unto this day. It is yet in Ophrah of the Abazarite. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock and the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath cut down, that, that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord upon the top of the rock, and ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer the sacrifice and, uh, with the wood of the grove that thou hast cut down. And then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said, unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's house and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. I'm going to tell you, he began to rise up and throw down the altars of Baal. I, I believe we're probably in one of the greatest reformations of human history right now. Everything we've ever believed is being challenged, and sometimes that's very disconcerting. Disconcerting, I'm sorry. I said one time on my Facebook recently, the truth sometimes will make you mad before it makes you free. But I believe what God is doing is He's tearing down some altars and some, if you will, sacred cows and some idolatrous ideas. So you see, to me, principalities and powers are not always demonic spirits. They are principles that have become part of our belief system upon which we build and, 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 and conduct our lives. And I believe that when God begins to raise up somebody like Gideon, it begins to throw them down. But what I really begin to see is when God, by the time he was finished with Gideon, there were, I mean, you know, Gideon went through putting out a fleece and, you know, and asking God for confirmation. But, but by the time God was done, Gideon had become a believer because by the time God got finished dealing with him and separating the numbers and started out with great big multitudes following him, by the time God is done with this whole process, Gideon is going to take 300 men and he's going to defeat the armies of the Midianites and they're going to do it as one man. That's the key, as one man. They, 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 the enemy even sees a vision of a loaf of bread rolling down a hill 
and crushing the tents of Midian. And they said, this is none other than the sword of the Lord and Gideon, and God has delivered us into their hands. See, by the time they got done coming to the water and all the different separations that God did with Gideon, Gideon became a believer. I, I, you, you have to think about this. Now, you've you got to think about Here's a guy who takes 300 men. They don't have weapons. They don't have swords and spears. They don't have missiles and tanks. Of course, that wouldn't have been in the early days anyway. All they had was a pitcher with a candle inside of it and a ram's horn trumpet. Now, you've got to either be crazy or you've got to believe God to go against the entire armies of the Midianites when you don't even have a weapon. By the time God, done, God got finished with Gideon, Gideon believed what God said. I believe there's some people that are going to believe what God said about them in this hour, and they're going to be strong in faith. But Gideon, man, he takes them 300 minutes. See, to me, again, those are powerful pictures because to me the picture speaks of the earthen vessel. Listen, folks, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. There's also a light inside of this thing. This candlestick inside this earthen vessel, to me, speaks of the treasure that's in this earthen vessel. But if you're like Gideon and you don't believe what God said, you're keeping that candle hid under a bushel, and it's not scaring the enemy at all. But the third thing was a ram's horn or a trumpet. And a ram's horn comes from the death of a male lamb. When you preach a message through the death of a male lamb, or another way to say it, when you preach a message through the finished work of Jesus Christ, it's going to cause the earthen vessel to crack on the outside and the light that's inside to begin to burst forth and to shine forth. And when it does, it's going to scare the enemy to death. I believe a people are arising in this hour who are believers. They are strong in faith. The gospel should build up your faith. I can't help but think about even Abraham who takes 300 men 300 men, and he trained them in his own house, which to me speaks of the local church. And 300 men trained in-house defeats the kings of Chedorlaomer. Omer. But the common denominator again with this was Abraham brought forth bread and wine and had lunch with Melchizedek, bread and wine, when he started feeding on new covenant realities. The diet you're on, again, is every one of these stories, whether Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Gideon, Abraham, and the list goes on and on, the issue keeps on pointing back to what is your diet? Are you feeding on new covenant truth? Are you feeding people on the new man, the new nature, new, their identity? And if you do, they will arise as victors and do great acts of heroism and exploits for their God, and the enemy will be thwarted and destroyed. We're out of time. That may be you right now in your own circumstances. I admonish you. I encourage you. Get on a steady diet of bread and wine. and Get on a steady diet of the finished work of Jesus. Blow a ram's horn. I don't mean literally. I'm talking about hear a message through the death of a male lamb. If, if you don't know any place else to turn to, tune into our broadcast because that's what we're going to do is we're going to sound a trumpet of a ram's horn. And it'll change your life and you'll rise up to see great deliverance. If you've enjoyed today's program and you want to sow into the ministry, please call that number on the screen or go to our website. You can give via credit card there. Also, you can call the number on the screen. Somebody will be standing by to take your call. Consider becoming a partner with us and help us take the gospel around the world. It's your help that helps us do that. God bless you.
I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.